0: I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where EarnIn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. When you download the Earnin app, type in Clutter under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com/tos for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 82. On today's episode, we're looking at what it means to be a minimalist, or at least a wannabe minimalist. I have grown a lot over the year and a half that I've been hosting this show thanks to you, the guests, and trying to practice what I preach. As we wind down another crazy year, I wanted to take some time to reflect on what I've learned and how it's translated into minimalism for me and my family with my top 10 beliefs. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm excited you were joining me today. Today is going to be just a little different than a regular podcast. It's gonna be a little bit more candid than usual because I'm talking about my beliefs and thoughts on minimalism. This show began as a way for me to explore decluttering, organizing, and living with less while sharing my experience with you. I've been lucky enough to interview some amazing women along the way, and as I looked back on past episodes, I realized just how much I've grown and how I see my things and how much my family has grown too. I will not lie, I am very much a work in progress. I too wish I could just snap my fingers and have the messy work done. Self-reflection feels scary, and honestly, it's exhausting. But we're having a quiet Christmas at home, so I'm going to have plenty of time to rest over the next few days. So I guess it's time to put myself out there and tell you kind of my top 10 beliefs. But quickly, before we jump into it, I do want to remind you that you can pick up the show notes for today's episode at littlegreenbow.com slash 82. There you will also find access to my past episodes of the show, blog posts, my course, the Tidy Home Academy, my home systems power pack, freebies, and much more. Again, you can find it all at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 82. Now let's get to it before I chicken out. Okay, just kidding. Belief number one is that minimalism is about more than stuff. It's about creating a life that speaks to your true self. When you look back on happy times in your life, how many of those memories have to do with the items around you? Probably not many. Of course, I'm sure there are some, but when you think about it, it might not actually be the thing that made you the happiest. So for me, some of my happiest memories are parties at my parents' home when I was a child, the lunch that we would get almost every Sunday at Tito's Tacos in Anaheim, going out for breakfast on Saturday mornings with my dad when, I, when my mom owned her own hair salon and so she was busy Saturday mornings, going off to college and being in a new place all on my own for the very first time, taking my first international trip with my now husband and how much it opened my eyes to the world. Getting engaged on a glacier in Argentina. Having a destination wedding and having the time of our lives. Finding out I was pregnant with our daughter. Getting to be her mom. The joy I feel when I see her after a long day. And her hugs. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness for her hugs. I wish I could bottle them up and give them to the world. We'd have world peace immediately. Now, there was very little stuff mentioned or even thought about in some of my favorite memories or the things that bring me the most joy. But so often we focus on the things that we're letting go of or the things that we're bringing into our life. So I'd like to challenge you to think of your favorite memories and what makes you happy and then spend your time and money focused on that. So in time, those physical things will start to work themselves out. Yes, of course, we can declutter. But if we really don't have time for it or we don't have the energy or we don't want to do it, if we just start working on those things, um, not things, physical things, but the memories and the time and how we want to live our lives, those physical things will start to work themselves out and they will become less and less because they will not be the things that are important to you and it won't be what you are focusing on. So belief number two, minimalism is not about getting rid of all of your favorite things. When I tell people about what I do, one of the most common reactions is to be defensive about their stuff. So people get really like, I don't know, they get really worked up when I tell them that I host a podcast called The Want to Be Minimalist Show. They either say, oh, I desperately need your services or, oh my gosh, they get kind of petrified that I'm going to come take their stuff away. So let me let you in on a little secret. I'm actually not that concerned with your stuff. I only care about your stuff if it's getting in your way. I will never tell someone to part with their favorite things. In fact, I will tell you the opposite. You should keep your favorite things and then get rid of everything else. What your favorite things are is a decision that only you can make. So one book that helped me in this area was Swedish Death Cleaning, and I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes so that you can check it out. In the book, the author talks about how one day we will all die and someone else will have to dig through our belongings and make a decision on them. A little morbid, I know, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. Personally, I am terrified about this prospect with my own parents. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, but don't worry, I'm sure they already know this and it really has helped me look at my own things in a new light. I want to let go of the things that don't mean much to me and the things that I don't use as quickly as I can so that they don't have a chance to bring in that lingering sense of of nostalgia, right? So like the longer you own something, the more nostalgic it becomes. And once that nostalgia hits, well, of course, it's harder to let go of the items. That's true for me. That's true for everybody. But it's worse for your loved ones should they find themselves in a place of grieving your absence. So when that happens, suddenly everything that you owned becomes 1,000 times harder to part with. I want to tell you a quick story that will help with this point. When I was posting about the Avalanche Decluttering Challenge in June of this year, I got rid of some Disney ornaments that none of us in my family were particularly attached to. Someone commented that they had that same set of ornaments. And while they weren't their favorite either, They were going to keep them and let the kids sort them out someday. What? To me, that seems opposite of what you should do for your loved ones. Her family is going to be sad to have lost her. Extremely emotional going through all of her belongings. And now they're going to think that these ornaments meant something to their mom because she kept them. The loving thing for her to do would be to only keep her favorites so that they can cherish those things that she actually liked instead of holding on to a piece of plastic out of guilt because they thought she loved it. Now, this is why it's important to keep your favorite things and then let the other things go. Of course, there are other reasons why it's important. It's going to make you feel better. We might talk about that in a minute. But I just want you to have this in your mind. So the next time you're decluttering your things, that maybe this shift in perspective will help you too. It also helps me look at different things and try to ask my parents about the things in their home so that I know the things that are important going forward so that it will be easier for me to let go of a lot of the things in their home and just keep the few things that really did seem to mean the most to them or the most to me or just you know have a special memory between the two of us. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy. But it's not really a surprise, considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. All right. Belief number three, you can still live an intentional and simple life with kids. It's not the easiest path, but it is very rewarding. Now, I have gotten much better at this over time, but it is still hard for me not to give in to the marketing messages and a lifetime of programming at times too. I want my daughter to have a happy life and not feel left behind like when her friends are talking about the latest gadgets and gizmos, but I also realize that my job as her parent is to raise a competent and confident adult. Life does not give you everything you want, and mirroring that in our home is a good lesson to learn now. I want her to be able to soar when she leaves the nest, and I believe that living an intentional life will help her do that. Studies show that kids with fewer toys are more creative and have longer attention spans. I know both of those things will serve her well in the long run, but it can be hard to stand your ground when you're in the midst of it, right? So the easiest way we have found to keep things simple is to create better habits at home. My husband and I have a saying, and it's, you can't do anything fun just once. That sounds really harsh when I say it right now, but what we mean is that if we give in one time, we need to be prepared and willing to realize that this might become an ongoing thing. So letting the kids stay up late once means that it's harder to say no the next time. Buying that toy in the checkout line because the kids are having a tantrum means that they're likely to behave the same way again if you say no the next time. And saying no can be hard, but the results from saying yes now to make just this moment easier can make the future even harder. So setting boundaries makes us all happier because we know what to do in a given situation and we know what to expect. The flip side to this is, of course, letting your child know that this is a one time special experience. So it's not that we can't have fun in a moment or at a time, but it's also taking just that extra split second to let your kids know that this is a special moment and it's not always going to be this way. So it makes it much easier to back it up the next time they ask. So for instance, let's say that they get to stay up late this week because it's the holidays. We're doing something special. It's going to be easier to remind them that we need to get back on the schedule. We're not staying up late anymore because now we need to get back to our regular school week or life or whatever. So I promise there is still plenty of fun in our family. It just comes in the way of doing things together instead of adding more stuff into our home. Okay, belief number four, living in a tidy space that tells your story can make your soul come alive. Now, in a recent episode, I got a little flack for coming off as pushing people to want to make their homes pretty for guests. Now, that was not my intention at all, but I can see that it might have come across that way. The truth is that it's really important for me that guests that come into my home feel comfortable. For better or for worse, that means I will need some things in my home like furniture, dishes, and a coffee maker. Okay, that last one might be for me more than it is for anyone else, but I want to be proud of my home and I want to like what it looks like. I don't think that makes me less of a minimalist. However, I want to be clear that having a home I am proud of does not mean that I'm buying the latest trending decor from Target. For me, it means that what I use and what I have in my home tells my story and it's through my belongings. So with our recent move, there's still some styling that I need to do in my home. Things are not 100% how I want them to be. But As I put things in place, I do try to be aware of decorating and my impact on the environment. I gift items that I no longer want or don't fit in our home to my neighbors through my local Buy Nothing group. And that way I can be more confident that these things will actually be used instead of just dropping them off at a Goodwill donation box where it's possible they might still end up in the landfill. I try to give my daughters things that are in good condition to a women's shelter, and I try to buy things secondhand when possible. In fact, the desk I am sitting at to record this was free on Craigslist, and I brought it back to life with a few coats of paint. I love how it turned out. It was rescued from a fate in the landfill, and it's perfect for my space. So if you want to see what it looks like, I'm going to make sure that I post about it on Instagram, so check it out over there. Living more minimalistically and being intentional about what we have in our home makes me appreciate the things that we do own. The photos that we put on the wall tell about who we are, where we come from, and where we've been. Things from our travels remind me of our trips and keep me connected to the world outside of our walls. Items passed down from family members make me smile when I see them. When people come over, I want them to feel welcomed and not have to gingerly move around piles is one way that I can accomplish that. Feeling invited and comfortable means that people will stay longer and that will lead to more conversations where I'll get to learn more about their story too. It's not about impressing them. It's about being authentic to who I am and who lives in our home. All right, belief number five, you do not need a house packed with stuff to be happy. It goes against what every marketer wants you to believe and we all know that deep down it's true. The best things in life really are free. Love, belonging, health, these are things that matter and that lead to true happiness. Yes, some stuff can help us accomplish our goals. It can show our love and appreciation to the people in our lives and the things we buy can keep us healthy. But we have to remember that we are in control. We need to stay on top of our stuff so that it does not have control over us. Racking up credit card debt to keep up with people in your life is not a recipe for happiness. And be honest with yourself. Deep down, we don't really know anyone else's life position either. We don't know what, how much money they have in the bank, if they have credit card debt, any of that stuff. Have you ever stopped to consider that maybe other people are going into credit card debt to try to keep up with and impress you? It sounds crazy, but if you stop to think about it, we all might be buying stuff to keep up with everyone else in our life when they might be relieved to have one brave soul to say enough is enough. Maybe you can be that brave soul and stop the madness of buying more just for the sake of trying to keep ahead. Belief number six, your memories do not live in your belongings, but you are welcome to keep anything that makes you happy. So there are no minimalist police. No one is going to come in and make you get rid of the things that you are keeping because they remind you of happy times. You are welcome to keep the things you want and feel free to let go of the things that no longer serve you. I want to remind you that things are not memories. Your memories live in your mind. Just because you declutter and donate something does not mean you are throwing away the memory. I know that when we have a big declutter session, we can get off track really easily because the things we come across remind us of something or someone. It's easy to associate that thing with the memory and think that we'll never get it back if we get rid of it. But It was just a reminder that sparked that memory. And there are other ways to keep these memories without having to keep the thing that is taking up your physical space. So have you seen those ads on Facebook for the Story Worth book? The idea is that each week or day, I'm not actually sure, I don't have any of these books, the person that you're gifting the book to gets a writing prompt and they fill out these writing prompts over the year so that at the end of the year, they get this book that has all of these memories and these stories written in it. Now, I think it's a really great idea. I'm not really sure how great it would work in practice because It seems like a lot of work for the gift recipient when maybe they didn't even ask for it. But I think you can take this idea and use it for the things that you want to remember. So if you're ready to get rid of something, but you're afraid that you'll lose the story or the memory, you can take a picture of the item and write down the story about it, where you got it, if it was a gift, the memory behind it, etc., Then you can create a photo book to flip through or just keep them in a folder on your computer. But either way, you get to keep the memories, you get to pass those down to the next generation, and you get to free up the space in your home. Now, another idea is to turn something into something else. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, we have an old family chest that I turned into a record cabinet with a record player and a shelf to keep my husband's records. So now we have this family chest and it serves a purpose in our home because it's something that we use now on a regular basis. We also have a t-shirt quilt that was made from t-shirts that my late father-in-law collected. Now, both of these are treasured objects for us. So that is a way that you can take something that you don't really want to keep in its current state and you can turn it into something that you'll use. And then finally, if you have a collection that you're ready to part with, consider keeping just your favorite item from the bunch and letting the rest go. You'll still have the memories and that one item will have just as much meaning as all of those items together. But just remember that in the end, it's your
1: choice.
2: I'm willing to bet you'll leave be feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely gonna find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. So belief number seven, the money was spent when you purchased
0: an item. Holding on to something that you do not love is not going to get your money back. Oh, the guilt of letting things go. I talked about this in a recent episode. I will link to it in the show notes because I can't think of the exact episode number at the moment. Sorry for that. But I know that this has been a big perspective shift that's helped a lot of you as well. So sometimes we think something is too good to donate or it costs us a lot of money when we bought it. So we want to sell it. We want to recoup some of the cost. Now, okay, if you have the bandwidth, the time, and the energy to sell your, your stuff, go for it. Give it a try. I... By all means, I'm not going to tell you not to, but I will tell you that from lots of experience of selling things, that it is a ton of work. I no longer have that time available to myself. So generally, I will just donate it or gift it on a, on my local Buy Nothing group. I recently had a yard sale. I talked about this, um, I think, in my latest email. So if you're not on my list, get on my list. But... <laughs> I didn't have success with the things I sold, but that wasn't my intention for the sale. My intention was I'm in a new neighborhood and I wanted to meet my neighbors. So being out and doing something allowed me to meet more people in the neighborhood and have conversations I wouldn't have had had I not been out there. So for me, that was success, even though I sold practically nothing and it all went to donation anyway. When you sell something, you can often only sell it for less than half of what it's available on the market for now. So even if you spent $500 on something, if you can buy it now on Amazon for $350, you're pretty much only going to be able to sell it for $175. Now, that is a good chunk of change, but let's do something even less expensive. What if you bought it for 20 bucks and you can now get it on Amazon for 10 Is it worth your time to sell it for $5? Probably not. And COVID has added a whole new level to selling things. Some things are going faster because of a supply shortage and other items are not selling because people don't wanna risk it. So you're just gonna have to weigh whether it's worth it or not. But if you've tried to sell something and it didn't work out or you don't have the time, just take a minute to release the thoughts of the money tied up in the item. After all, you didn't buy that thing to be an asset that would appreciate over time. You bought it because it was something you wanted to use, you thought it was cute, or you got caught up in the moment of an impulse buy. Now, you might realize that you didn't end up using it for whatever reason, or it no longer fits the aesthetic that you want in your home, or you'd rather just have the space. Now, if that's the case, let it go. If you feel guilty about the money you spent, well, try a no spending challenge for a week or a month so that you can save the cost of the item that you decluttered. Then use this as an opportunity to try to buy less in the future. Be picky about what you let into your home and your life. Make sure that new clothes you buy, make sure they fit well and make sure that you love them so that you'll be excited to see them in your closet. Choose a color palette for your home and stick to it so that everything starts to match and it's easier to say no to the things that are cute but just won't coordinate and go in your home. Create a habit of taking a picture of your child with any item they see in the store that they want when you're out shopping so that it's easier for you to make a wish list at their birthday, back to school time, or the holidays, and it's easier to put the item back on the shelf. But in the end, I want you to realize that holding on to something that you do not love or that you don't use just makes you feel guilty about buying that item in the first place. Your home is your sanctuary and you sure do not need to punish yourself by surrounding yourself with your past mistakes. Learn from that item and move on. Okay, belief number eight, your home is the place where you get to be your most authentic self. So speaking of your home as your sanctuary, in this crazy world, our homes should be where we get to feel our safest and let our hair down. When my daughter was three years old, we had her at an in-home daycare. The woman who ran it was lovely, and she said something to me that has stuck with me ever since. You see, my daughter was in the midst of what we called the three-nager year. Terrible twos weren't really a thing for us, but age three, whew, that was a big challenge. It seemed like my daughter was just really letting me have it day in and day out. It was stressing me out and it was wearing me down. Then the daycare provider told me that I was my daughter's safe place. I was the person she could share her rawest emotions with. It wasn't that she was trying to be mean to me, but rather holding it together all day out in the world. She needed to be nurtured, and I was the one that she trusted the most. Now, that realization changed everything. It made it easier to handle her big emotions because I understood that she needed me to help her through it. I could be more supporting when I understood why she was a challenge for me and why she was sweeter to everyone else. Instead of getting hurt by it, I leaned in and I cuddled more, and it worked. In the same way, we need to understand that our home is where we get to be our true selves. We can carve out the place where we feel safe in the world. We do not need to have the latest and the greatest things being marketed out there. Our home is our refuge, so we owe it to ourselves, our families, and our inner child to clear out the clutter and create the space that we need to recharge and unwind. Belief number nine, how we take care of our homes reflects or mirrors how we take care of ourselves. This was a recent revelation for me, and it really hit home over the past couple years with COVID. How I was taking care of my home was a reflection of how I was taking care of myself, and can I say it really wasn't the best. Everything in life needs maintenance. I need to shower on a regular basis and I need to clean my bathrooms regularly so that I feel good when I shower. Yes, of course, this is the most simplistic. But even at its core, this can be hard at times. When my desk is a mess, it's harder for me to concentrate and my work suffers. On the flip side, when my papers are in order and I need a record for my daughter's doctor visit, or I need to renew my passport so I need some papers, I feel like Wonder Woman when I can produce those papers with practically a snap of my fingers. Now, these things correspond and build on top of one another. Realizing that my home was a reflection of what was going on in my mind and how I was caring for myself made me realize that living like a minimalist has bigger consequences than just having less to clean. It means it's easier to take care of my home and myself, which makes me a better person, a better wife, and a better mom. Belief number 10. Life is messy and beautiful and chaotic, but minimalism makes it easier to enjoy the journey because you can tap into what is most important to you and let the other stuff go. I want to leave you with one of my favorite beliefs that has brought me a lot of peace, and it's that perfection does not exist. If you are a frequent listener, I am sure you've heard me talk about this before, and it ties into the belief that life is messy and beautiful at the same time. I grew up as a perfectionist, and I see those tendencies in my daughter. Yes, I am sure it is both nature and nurture, but I'm doing what I can now to encourage her to loosen up a bit. What I have realized is that perfection is a target that we are never able to reach. As we improve, our idea of perfect changes we reach the next level of proficiency, and then we want to be better. No matter what our craft or what we are working on, as humans, we want things to improve. My family just finished watching the show, The School of Chocolate on Netflix. The head chef, Amri Gouchon, sorry, I don't speak French, so I know I've just butchered that. Well, he is a master chocolatier. You may have seen his creations on social media as they go viral every single time. He is the Best there is in the world at making things out of chocolate. But even he keeps trying new things, progressing, and growing. And that's what it's really all about growth. Minimalism helps you grow as a human because you realize you do not need all of the stuff that you thought you did. Instead, you can choose the things that you love, you can let go of perfection, and you can embrace growth. Life is messy, and sometimes that's the best part. Find beauty in the imperfect. It's a lot more fun that way. And now it's your turn. What does minimalism or living a life in, of intention mean to you? Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family group on Facebook or tag me on Instagram and let me know. I'm little.green.bo on Instagram, or you can use the hashtag Wannabe WannabeMinimalistFamily. Tell me if this episode was helpful and if it has you looking at your stuff in new ways. And don't forget to pick up all of the show notes for today at littlegreenbow.com 82. There you can find links to all of the resources I mentioned on the episode today, as well as more information on my course, Tidy Home Academy, my home systems power pack, and my latest freebies. It's all on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 82. That just about wraps it up for today's episode. But before I go, I just want to take a minute to thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate that you choose to spend some of your time with me, and I hope the information I provide is helpful, entertaining, and inspiring. And if you enjoyed today's episode and haven't done so already, please take a moment to leave a review. Not only is it nice to hear how the show is helping others, it's one of the best ways I can get my message out into the world to help other families and to know what you want to hear about. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to be notified of new episodes wherever you are listening to the show at the moment. I also want to take a moment to wish you a very happy holiday season. I'll actually be taking next week off to celebrate with my family and to recharge. I want to thank you again for joining me each week on this podcast, and I look forward to seeing you in the new year. Cheers.